All right. Welcome back, everybody. After a depressing weekend of football, uh, Keith, Brock, and I are back to talk about how terrible both of our teams looked and, um, you know, the, the picture it's presented to all of us and just how bad the NFC East really is. And then we'll talk general specifics about the NFL <laughs> uh, moving forward from there. So, Keith, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. You know, uh, Thursday, besides, I mean, the food was great. Thanksgiving, I had no complaints. Um, but, God, that that Dallas game sucked so bad. But um, what made it all better was yesterday's performance by the Eagles. I mean, I really feel like you after last mouth. week, Dallas you won. Mouth right now. I mean, I, <laughs> all I wanted was for the Eagles to lose some game, and I completely counted out the Dolphins on the last podcast. And then after I was like, well, they're playing in Miami. Maybe, maybe Fitzmagic can come out. And um, sure enough, he did. And man, what a game. I, Fun little tidbit I really on enjoyed that. it. Fitzpatrick yes. has beaten Jim Schwartz every single time they've gone head to head. Oh my God. <laughs> it's it's horrible. <laughs> Brock, how you feeling? Uh, a lot like Keith. I uh, gotta say, Thanksgiving was a little depressing. Went into a food coma after uh, the Cowboys just kind of had a wet fart of a game. But after <laughs> seeing bearded Jesus lead the Dolphins, who, by the way, aren't even trying to win games. The last time that uh, Dolphins tanked this hard, I think they had to call PETA and shut down another SeaWorld. And yet... <laughs> They still came out on top. And uh, I got to say, I'm in a great mood today. Changed everything. Um, so what do you think happened, Mike? Because uh, the Cowboys I lost to a 9-3 but team. Real quick, but... cause yeah. I completely agree with that. Miami literally trying to tank and still <laughs> won that game. All right, Mike, go ahead. After well, as we being can down see. 14 <laughs> in the second half. Okay, Mike, it's all <laughs> Trying extra hard. As we can see, this is going to be an attack mic kind of day. Um, yeah, I'm feeling in the heat already. So, worst defensive performance I've ever seen from the Eagles, for sure. I think since the Super Bowl when Tom Brady put up over 500 yards. But <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the Miami Dolphins, where Fitzpatrick seems to just own Jim Schwartz. I'm pretty sure Jim Schwartz... His own children are actually Ryan Fitzpatrick because <laughs> there's something about that guy that just shreds our defense every time we play them. Last season against Tampa Bay, he just destroyed us. And uh, they had Deshaun, which according to some of our um, feedback, I say Deshaun weirdly or have said it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, don't you mean Deshaun? <laughs> yes. yeah, I didn't say I didn't it. Say it. Right there. See, I fixed it, guys. Don't worry. I figured it out. My stupid southern accent isn't going to come out anymore. It's going to be <laughs> Deshaun, not Deshaun. Anyways, um, yeah, so I got to say the offense looked a lot better than what it did these last couple of weeks, which is probably attributed to getting starting receivers back, I would say is probably a big deal for the team. Carson Wentz, I would say I'd give him like a B minus for this game. He did a lot better than he did these last two weeks. Uh, there were a couple of open throws, but I think that's attributed to 
what makes me most upset about this this game and this loss is the coaching. The freaking coaching has been god awful these last few weeks, and it's really starting to show that Doug Peterson's not the creative mastermind that I thought he was anymore. And I think Frank Reich wow. is really <laughs> like the really so, the the. Are you to the point now where less than two seasons past the Super Bowl? You think you're ready to move on from Doug Peterson just like that? Or no. I think okay. he used all his bag of every, every bag of tricks he had. He has two bags of tricks and he used both of them all in that <laughs> one year. <laughs> well, and okay, everyone so the, knows it. The first thing is is that I think Frank Reich was a reliable offensive-minded coach who as an offensive coordinator was able to talk into Doug's ear and just tell him Doug, that's stupid. Stop looking at the analytics of that. That's a bad idea. And right now, he has nobody that he trusts to do that with. So when they're like, Doug, that's a bad idea, he's like, shut your mouth. I'm doing them making this play call. We're, we're going to throw a screen pass on third and nine, and it's going to work. And it doesn't work ever. <laughs> I mean, you should never be throwing a screen to Alshon Jeffrey. And I don't know how many times <laughs> Doug Peterson throws a screen to Alshon Jeffrey, and it never works. I, I don't think I've ever seen it work one time, even when even the Super Bowl season. And it's quite frustrating. Well, because... Do you remember that one time that Alshon Jeffrey broke a tackle in the open field? Yeah, not um, me either. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Actually, I okay, mean, hold on. If His touchdown if pass on Sunday. If you're, if you're, okay. <laughs> if you're, no, a no, guy, go, tell then, you to go. Hey, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a stats guy, then Keith, go ahead. <laughs> Oh my god! I had to check if my mic was muted. I was like, "Wait!" <laughs> All right, one of the, it's gonna work one of these times. If Alshon Jeffrey keeps getting stopped on these screen passes, it eventually it will work, and I think that's what they're counting on. Ah, uh, yes the the one five yard gain he's gonna have off the screen pass. It's gonna be glorious, and that will be the one that sends him back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, realistically speaking, though, I t- Keith and I were talking about this at lunch the other day, was if the Eagles lost to the Dolphins, I would have absolutely zero confidence in them in the remaining games this season. And they That's lost right. to the freaking Dolphins. And so my confidence is shot. I'm not, I'm not sold on this team. And I think one of the things that came out today was that um, rumors are already swirling, of course, as they always are is that the front office is ready to move on from the offensive coordinator, the wide receiver coach, and uh, possibly Jim Schwartz. You know, that's a big if. I don't think they're ready to just quit on Jim Schwartz because he kind of compliments Doug Peterson a little bit in the no-nonsense thing. Um, Doug Peterson's more of a talk-you-up kind of guy, and Jim Schwartz is more of a, hey, you screwed that up kind of guy, and I think that balances well with each other. But I think Doug really needs an offensive coordinator that's going to be like, Doug, don't do that. It's idiotic. Just because the stat, the statistics say you should doesn't mean you should. Kind of thing. Just somebody who understands football and not just looking at the numbers and analytics that the Eagles like to use, because it's clearly not working. We've had two borderline losing seasons in the past two years. And last year we squeaked by and in in, got into the playoffs, which was absolute luck. And we shouldn't have beat the Bears anyways. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. this season, um, it's just not, it's seeming less and less likely. 
And the Eagles fans that are that could be listening to this are going to hate me, but I really think Dallas is going to walk into Philadelphia and plant the flag on our field and just yep. laugh at us as they go into playoffs to lose. <laughs> well, Easily. if they play, if they play like they did on Sunday, the Cowboys should win that game even in Philly. Um, I was, you know, watching the game. I was shocked by how well the Dolphins seemed like they were deserving to be in the game. It was no luck. Sometimes whenever the worst team wins, you kind of look at the box score and you go, yeah, they had a bunch of turnovers, maybe a pick six. But no, the Dolphins had more first downs. They had more total yards. They scored over, I guess, 23 unanswered points in the second half. And there was only one turnover apiece. Um, well, Fitzpatrick and the, the Dolphins offense was like the epitome of a quarterback that just doesn't give a crap and is going to throw it up. <laughs> to his receiver, and whatever happens, happens. And against Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, whatever happens is usually they get bodied by the receiver, and it's a big game. Or a touchdown. But that, and I mean, you know, Parker's got some talent, but where's that been the whole year? The Dolphins team, this actually shocked me. I looked this up. They were coming into this week the sixth worst team in the history of DVOA through the first 11 weeks of the season. Sixth worst. They're worse than the 0-16 Lions. I mean, this is a team that traded away any player they could worth any value, starting a guy who's a journeyman quarterback, and they just put it on him in the second half. I was saying last week that as a Cowboys fan, I was actually having to favor the Eagles in the division just because I'd favor them at home against the Cowboys. But after this performance... Um, well, according to Doug, they're a good football so. team. <laughs> according to yeah, Doug Peterson's yeah. press conference, they're a good football team, and they wanted it harder than the Eagles did, which has got to be the dumbest thing you can say as a head coach. And you it's a lie, because... <laughs> Miami's trying to tank like we yeah, yeah I, I just don't get it like I, it, it makes no sense like oh they're a great football team and they wanted it more than we did no no they didn't you played against a football team that didn't give a crap about the game they were playing who just decided to go in and have fun <laughs> against the Eagles and absolutely demolish the defense that yeah, it blows my mind it, it makes absolutely no sense how a defense can hold Tom Brady uh, to no touchdowns can hold Russell Wilson to under 200 yards and then get shredded by Fitzpatrick it makes absolutely no sense. And I think just, they're already they're already planning for the Dallas game, and they just completely forgot about Miami. I think they went in cocky. I, re- I really think they went in thinking it was going to be a blowout win, and it was starting to look that way in the first half, and that it was going to uh, be a blowout win. Did Doug Peterson guarantee victory? Because we know um, he does that. You know, he probably told the guy who's getting his coffee from that morning that it was a guaranteed victory, and that's where I think Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. was in the same place, but at the drive-thru, and you heard him. I think Jim Schwartz got his play calls from the guy who was getting him coffee that morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man. Oh, Mike, I mean, you, you can obviously, the, you know, the panic meter seems like a 9 or 10 for you about now. Um, as a Cowboy fan, Keith, after the Bills game, where's your panic meter? How do you feel coming out of that one? And mine's at a oh. 9 out of 10 there, too. Cowboys panic meter. I'm going to go with a 7.5. Um, Bold strategy, they, Cotton. Yeah, they have. They do have hope. They just can't finish drives. Like they, they actually. Um, I mean, all their stats were pretty decent. I mean, total yards four hundred twenty six, thirty two first downs to twenty two against Buffalo. Yeah. Um, their third down conversion seven out of thirteen. That's not terrible. Um, I mean, they they have a, a good offense and their defense. Um, you know, just couldn't find an answer. Josh Allen played absolutely amazing game of his life yeah i mean it seemed like anytime can we talk about how young quarterbacks just have an outstanding game against dallas the jets (laughs) 
And then the Bills, they just <laughs> they go to Dallas and just shred the defense that's supposed to be outstanding. I know. I know. 18-year-old Sam Darnold with mono kicked the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that 32 first downs by the Cowboys is the most by a team who didn't score 20 points the entire year. Like, I kind of agree with Keith that I was about at a 7 on my panic meter, nothing too crazy high, only because the Cowboys still moved the ball well. The, the defense, that, I mean, the offense, the second in DVOA, still showed up and then just couldn't convert, whether it was missed kicks uh, or just bad thirds downs once the drives got that far down the field. Uh, the 32 first downs is an extreme amount. Dallas actually leads the NFC in first downs per game at 24.5. That's the leading average of first downs, so getting 32 is huge. And really, the difference in the game came down to bad special teams by Dallas, who is dead last in the entire league in DVOA special teams. 32nd, it's just killing them. And the tur- turnover differential, having those two turnovers to none. But I wouldn't say that, hey, we're playing the Bills again. We have no chance of beating them. They're just the better team. Um, I think they were the better team on Thanksgiving. But I really don't think it was an Eagles situation where the Eagles played a horrible team and were just the worst team on the day. I think the Cowboys had a couple breaks go against them. A couple horrible clutch plays, had the worst uh, quarterback play, and and the Bills beat him. But um, I think Jason Garrett should start a new strategy. I think he should stop clamping, clapping, and like start stomping, (laughs) like seeing what that does. You know, Mm. just start throwing tantrums on the sideline instead of clapping. He tried it against uh, with the challenge flag earlier in the year, and he got a flag. (laughs) His first attempt. So the first yellow flag to follow. Jason, get back to clapping. Yeah, you can't do it. Setting records. I hope he's clapping for the New York Giants next year. That would like double dream come true. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Can we just can we just acknowledge how bad our division is? Like, how are the Redskins still in playoff hunt in our division? Legitimately speaking, in the playoff hunt, it's been so bad for both of these teams. And the sad part is, is last season, like everybody, everybody believed that Dallas in the Dallas and Philadelphia. We're going to be duking it out, throwing haymakers every season for the next 10 years. And they both come out like this this season. And neither of them can pull it together. The Eagles are playing with guys in the 40-plus club. I mean, they're basically retirees. And Dallas has the clapper. And they just can't <laughs> seem to string anything together between both teams. And it's just been god-awful. I'm actually really disappointed in this division overall. I just really want to start a petition that says don't let the NFC East in the playoffs and just give another wild card away. And just <laughs> sit, sit don't this do division that. out. That's all we have. That's all we have is a free um, spot. Yeah, we need this. Hey, the Seahawks, uh, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there, they went 7-9. and nine. They won their division, and they actually won a playoff game. So Yep, you get that home game, and – you know, like I was talking about last week, I know this week looked really bad for both teams, and I'm starting to give up hope on the Eagles. But you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, Dallas and Philly are still pretty good, especially Dallas. They're borderline top five or six team in the NFL coming into the week. So um, they're just a team that has a ton of talent, is terribly coached, does everything bad in the margins, but they just need a couple of weeks for momentum. The problem is we're running out of time here, and if one of these teams doesn't get their thing together, I think – Either the the Vikings, the Seahawks, maybe the 49ers could stroll into Dallas or Philly and make it look embarrassing. There's, there's, that's definitely on the table. Yeah, losing Connor Williams for the year is going to hurt. I mean, you noticed yeah. it right when it happened. Uh, I, I forget the guy's name that replaced him, but he let he got beat and um, which resulted in a sack fumble. 
like instantly. So that's going to be tough. Absolutely. Yeah, I think O line is underestimated or undervalued in every single team in general. I mean, you saw what happened last week when Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson went out for Philly and the O-line just got destroyed on every play. And honestly, it makes the quarterback play look far worse than what it actually is or what it actually could be just by having a bad O-line, which begs the question, like, how many solid quarterbacks are actually out there that are victims of a terrible line and that the front office just refuses to acknowledge? That's a major yeah. stabbing oh, yeah. point for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And it's Not overlooked. Offensive Big time overlooked. Those- Everyone kind of knows it's important, but because it's five positions and, you know, it's not flashy, it, it often gets passed up on. And to your point, Mike, even before those injuries, I think a big difference in Philly this year, everyone wants to look at the receivers, and that's true. But it's not it's not wins. It's the O-line. This is supposed to be one of the best lines in football. But on Football Outsiders, um, they have the success rates on run plays and pass plays. Philly was 15th in rushing and 18th in passing. So it's basically been an average offensive line with terrible weapons. Um, and with how much they're paying, I think they just re-signed Lane Johnson to an extension to make him the highest-paid right tackle. Being average is not going to get it done. Honestly, they, the right side isn't the problem. Like just watching the games over again and looking at some of the all twenty twos, it's it's Kelsey. Uh, it, yeah. like, but you know, coming from the center, I, he's missing a lot of assignments. In uh, last season and the season before that, on a lot of the running plays, he was he was already at the linebacker at the second level um, before. Uh, the running back even broke the plane uh, uh, of the uh, line of scrimmage. And, you know, he was hitting those blocks. And this season, it just doesn't seem to be happening. Like, we almost – one of the most successful runs that I saw this season from Philadelphia is when Jordan Howard was healthy. He led block for Miles Sanders. And he broke it off for, a, I think it was a 43-yard run, 44. Um, 43 and a half. It, Oh, well, thank you for the exact measurement. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, and he had to have a second, almost a fullback lead blocking for him. And that I think that says a lot about the offensive line. And that's one thing that nobody really wants to talk about is the offensive line has played worse than what it has in the last two seasons. And I think that's kind of a couple things. Jason Peters is not getting any younger. And I, I really don't like that they're still starting him over Andre Dillard. And Kelsey just seems to be just not not into it anymore i mean he's kind of played with the idea of retiring which is kind of scaring me um it's almost like he's setting them up to be without them this season (laughs) like he's he's almost out the door and he's like hey you guys are gonna have to figure this out without me i'm checked out and say amalo's you know he's he's a decent you know left guard i just sealing that center of the line is going to be big. And that's honestly, everybody wants Philly to go wide receiver first round pick. I want them to go wide receiver first round pick. But I think knowing how Roseman and the way they think, uh, they're going to look for uh, uh, an all pro talent center. That's going to be young and come in and replace Kelsey and play at a high level. Because I think that's going to be one of their biggest factors. I'm, I'm honestly thinking they're going to go the free agency route and sign receivers especially with dun 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 amari cooper scheduled to be a free agent um doesn't sound like dallas is going to sign him anyways because they can only franchise him or dak prescott and let's be honest they're not going to just let dak prescott walk he's basically become the face of the franchise i'm pretty sure they're more comfortable with just letting amari cooper walk yeah it's definitely hurting their leverage right now teams kind of have this golden ticket of hey sign this extension or we can franchise tag you um 
but you're right with it's not just Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. If you look at the defense, which has been struggling this year, the one one of the few real shining bright spots um, has been Byron Jones, and he's also going to be a free agent. So it's definitely something that his, uh, it, like you said, we expected this to be a rivalry for the next ten years. It could really just end fast here for Dallas if Jerry Jones doesn't get on these contracts soon. Uh, I think it'll be a mistake to let Amari walk. Well, yeah, I mean, you give up a first-round draft pick for him, and you only keep him for two years. Is that what this would be? Yeah, year and a half, yeah. really. Year and a half, yeah, yeah. Year and a half, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if – I mean, obviously, the golden situation is to get all three. But, um, I mean, there's got to be a way to, to sign Amari and Dak. That's like spending your life savings on renting a Ferrari for one day. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you go and, and drop a first-round pick for Amari Cooper to, number one, not even run deep in the playoffs, and then two, willingly give him up to free agency? You know, he's going to command a big contract, but the, the, the salary cap is going to go up astronomically next season, more than likely. I, I yep. just don't, I don't see the fear. I, I, I don't understand it, and I think that's one of Jerry Jones's you know, struggling points and his one of his weakest points is being afraid to get the guy and sign him long term like it makes absolutely no sense you have the guy that makes Dak Prescott look much better and play much better he's gotten way more confidence going into the games and then you're just gonna let him walk dumb absolutely stupid well I think it's posturing right now I mean Jerry has had his ups and downs PM, but one thing he's generally done is is paid the big name guys and like you said, with the with the salary cap spiking, the Cowboys are projected to have as much as eighty million in cap space next year, which sounds great. And still, they start realizing, oh, they got to pay their draft picks, they got to fill in, you know, around the margins. Um, Dallas probably has the worst safeties in the NFL right now. That's really what's been costing them in the passing game, and the reason they've slipped outside of the top half of the league in DVOA. They got to address that somewhere. Rookie safeties are always, you know kind of a crapshoot, so you might want to go veteran there. And all of those things start to eat into that 80 million, eat into that 80 million. So when you look at you say, yeah, I want to re-sign Cooper. Of course, everyone wants them to re-sign Cooper. But what does it mean? Just because you traded for him, if the guy's trying to demand the biggest contract in the NFL, um, you at least have to keep it somewhat in check. And maybe he deserves it. If you look I'd, at football... I would, I would put him top three in yeah. terms of contract, or contract negotiations. I would easily put him top three receivers commanding language, but... I, I I would love to see him in in mid, midnight green and uh, just shredding <laughs> Dallas for the next five years. That would that'd make my life. Well, if you look at um, you know the defensive adjusted yards above replacement, this is a way that you know advanced metric that kind of ranks each position individually. So you can rank the offenses, but you can also look at things outside of just quarterback. You can do you know wide receivers, running backs. Um, Cooper's fifth in the NFL this year, so he's been top five. Last year, he totally turned our offense around. So I totally agree that he's going to demand a top contract. But if you look at what that really means, um, Julio Jones, just before the season, signed a guaranteed contract extension where he got $64 million guaranteed, averaging $22 million a year. And that's really the new gold standard. That's the most annual salary, basically the most that's guaranteed. OBJ recently got $65 million guaranteed, but $18 million per year. So I think Cooper's looking for something. And as long as it's in that $20 million per year range, I think we can give it to him. Um, and you, I, I totally agree. I think Cooper's who we need to bring back, keep him out of Philly's hands. Um, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do let him walk. That Philly would sign him. It makes absolute sense. That's exactly what the that. offense needs. Cooper is too loyal to Dallas to 
sign <laughs> Yeah, right. If Jerry Jones tells him he's not going to pay him, he's going to be like, all right, well, I'll be playing playing against you twice a year. I mean, you think he'll drive away like Dez did and then never play uh, again? I mean, that's kind of what Dez wanted to do. He was just too old. Yeah, I don't think anybody wanted to risk that with Dez, but Dez did want to play in the division. I mean, it's still not too late for him, I guess. He could go play for somebody like the Redskins or something. But yeah, Nothing against Dez. I miss Dez. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what about Dak? The real question is because they're saving that franchise tag for Dak if they need it. He never let the quarterback walk. But if we franchise him, that's thirty four million guaranteed, only wrapped up for one year, almost half the cap space the Cowboys have in one player. Um, or you know, do you give into his demands? Right now, the highest paid quarterback is Russell Wilson, thirty five million a year. He has one hundred and seven million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I bet Dak's asking maybe for more than that, maybe around that. So, would you rather them franchise tag him, eat up a huge chunk of the cap space here, one, or do you think we're ready to commit to that Russell Wilson type money with the downside being, hey, look what just happened to the Rams and Jared Goff. One really good year, they guaranteed him 100 plus million, um, and now they're in, you know, a really bad spot with that. So, as the other That's Cowboys a... fan, Keith, oh, sorry, I... Mike, obviously. You're no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Thing. I just uh, I I don't like a big contract for someone that's I mean yeah he's he's looked pretty good this year um, especially as of late and um, I'm I'm actually really happy with this play but I mean it's just to pay that much money just because there's so many bad quarterbacks out there doesn't make sense to me um, I don't know how quarterbacks got all this leverage to demand the entire salary cap just because you know they're that much better than the other side but. I guess at the same time, I mean, if you have a bad quarterback, your team's not going to do anything. It's just, well, I think it's a, a, I think it's a game much. they're playing though. Like if they, if that's the thing is if do you really think Dak is going to put up solid numbers without having Amari Cooper? Like, do we really think he's going to be an outstanding NFL quarterback if he doesn't have Amari Cooper to throw to? I think that's kind of the the balancing act that they're playing because I that's part of the leverage. I think if you're talking to Dak about contracts and you're like, look, dude. We had to bring in Amari Cooper to for you to, to elevate your game, which is fine, but we're not going to pay you $40 million a year knowing that if we let this other guy walk, we're going to be throwing money at you, and you might not produce. I agree with that. Yeah, I hate to disagree with you guys, but I totally agree. I think that franchising <laughs> for this year, I mean, you know, I like to be right, but sometimes I have to agree with you and just take the L. Um, but, but yeah, it, the main thing is that we have to have Cooper I think long term, Gallup has actually come on really strong. He's sixteenth mm-hmm. best receiver this year, according to the Dyer stat, um, and it's only a second year, but he's really only thriving because Cooper's there to take the best corner. That's a huge part of it. Bingo. The, de- the defensive end, Byron Jones, too. He, even if he's paid like a top corner, the top corners in the league all make between fourteen and fifteen million. I think we can lock him up long term with that. He's so big, so athletic. He can play multiple positions on defense. Locking up Cooper and Jones long term would be the play to me. And, and give Dak another year. You can franchise him for a year, maybe two, at this rate, which is what you're going to have to pay him anyway. And then when the time comes, if he can continue to play this well, um, we'll see what how, how he does. Like you said, with Connor Williams getting hurt, I mean, he's had the best pass defense. I mean, the best pass protection offensive line all year long. Well, Connor Williams got hurt. Now that's really going to hurt the Cowboys' offensive line. They have a weak spot that they didn't have before with Collins playing amazing and Smith on the other tackle. The best center guard combo with. Frederick and Martin. Connor Williams even being the average offensive lineman was still really, really solid in there. And maybe Dak won't perform as well. Um, I think that's a big thing about, about these young guys. You know, everybody wants to get these young guys and label them as 
uh, elite or future elite, soon to be elite or elite skill sets. But they, yeah, these young guys don't step into that elite play style until they've had the positions around them to to elevate their game for at least you know, four or five years. I mean, on average, the sixth and seventh year of a quarterback is when they really step into what they really are. Um, you know, we're coming into that with Dak and, and Carson Wentz. And I think a, in order for them to just take that step and what's happening with Dak right now is having the talent, one, to protect them so they can read the defense well. They can go through their, their progressions uh, and make the, the throws. And two, having receivers that can make the plays down the field so they can develop that trust and, and that confidence and just throwing the ball downfield, giving those 50-50 balls um, and eventually start throwing their receivers open and stuff. And I think that combination of things is really what pushes the quarterbacks to understand the game holistically and uh, kind of step into their own. And I think Dallas would make a huge mistake in letting Amari Cooper walk and then keeping Dak, you know, franchise tag him or sign him to a huge contract, what have you, and then not surround him with what he needs to be on that quote-unquote elite level. Because it's exactly what Philadelphia is doing to Carson Wentz right now. They they give him a bunch of 30-plus guys, and they're just like, hey, dude, <laughs> these are the guys <laughs> catching the ball for you. Get it done. And, I mean, you see the you see what's happening with that. Alshon Jeffrey had a pretty good game. Uh, he broke 100 yards for the first time, I, I want to say, since he's been here. Um, touchdown pass. I mean, he made some pretty good contested catches, finally. Um, you know, but uh, I, one thing I've learned from watching them play um, with Doug Peterson, and just jumping back to Philadelphia for a quick second, is uh, Doug Peterson likes to run the half field reads. You know, the, and for those listening that don't understand what a half field read is, basically you line up the offense, the quarterback looks at uh, the defense, what they're playing, you know, man zone, uh, where they are lined up on the receivers. And you'll see this a lot when they run a motion on the tight end. Uh, the tight end will change sides um, and to see if he's got a man trailing him or not. And at that point, the quarterback makes the decision, okay, I'm going to the left side of the field or the right side of the field. Um, and when they make those half-zone reads, a lot of people are looking at it and saying, well, the guy you know, on the right side of the field was wide open. Why'd you throw it to the left? Well, because the progression isn't there. And they're really setting him up for failure because it, the, the progression never goes to that right side of the field. If it does, it's because the play is broken. But when you've got, you know, a, a slow receiver coming off his breaks and his routes on one side, um, you've got a receiver that's dropping passes uh, on, in the slot. And then on Sunday, your tight end is dropping passes. Touch, three touchdown passes dropped <laughs> by Zacherts. And I, I, can't, I, I can't stress that enough. People are like, well, he doesn't, Carson Wentz doesn't make the big throws. He doesn't, he doesn't make those big-time completions. Um, he would be. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest argument. That, that would be happening. And they're like, oh, well, he's not, he's not clutch on third and fourth down. Uh, he's made that throw every single game. You know, he might miss the first and second down. And a, another thing I want to talk about is people are under the assumption, uh, with any quarterback in the NFL, that they don't miss throws. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no quarterback in the NFL that does not miss throws. Aaron Rodgers misses throws. Tom Brady misses throws. It happens. I don't the reason <laughs> not Nick Foles. <laughs> um, Nick Foles just got benched for Mustache Minshew. So, <laughs> but I mean, it, looking at it, quarterbacks miss throws, and the problem that some quarterbacks have, and what's going on with Carson Wentz right now, is he's his he misses throws sometimes, and that's okay. It's the fact that he's missing throws, and then when he's making those throws, the offense does nothing with them, and the play calling does nothing to help him. It's just a culmination of crap in, in general. 
And it just got, really uh, highlights everything. I have an interesting stat. So um, you guys always bring up the DVOA stat, which is arguably the best stat to use. But I found a new one called DIVA, and that's Diva. And Carson Wentz is leading the league in it. <laughs> so he's always blaming his receivers for drop passes. Oh, my routes. God. <laughs> when will he accept blame for calling the wrong plays? Maybe the receivers are dropping pap- uh, sorry, passes on purpose, like when the O-line on any given Sunday stopped blocking for Willie Beeman to teach him a lesson. When um, Willie I- stopped dying, his hair red. That's a major <laughs> point. I think the lesson they're trying to teach him is he got Nick Foles kicked out, the Eagles superstar, Super Bowl quarterback. And, yeah, I mean, what, what are you all going to do about that? Yeah, I think if you guys are listening to this podcast right now, you can stop listening because Keith is ruining it. (laughs) (laughs) But moving on from my sour puss rant, um, I've got a little little tidbit here to talk about top five QBs under 25 and uh, who you want to build your team around. So let's go with Brock. What do you think? All right, guys. Yeah, just... um... This is not where they are the current team or fantasy rankings or anything like that. This is, hey, you're starting a franchise. You're picking these guys. You don't know the coach or anything like that. You're kind of starting from scratch. From scratch. Who would you pick first? Uh, my number one overall pick, uh, I'd be interested to see if you guys agree. I didn't actually find it difficult at all. I was the number one player I'd pick at any position of any age in the NFL, and that is Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, that's all who right. I picked. That's who I picked. All right, so um, we're not going to have a lot of disagreement here. I, the guy this year, he was reigning MVP last year, set all kinds of records. This year, he's second in QBR. He's leading an offense that's top five in DVOA again. He's had a bum ankle. He's still been able to rush and pass. He's actually, by some metrics, um, been more accurate this year. It's just people have been a little less open in the offense. And, and the main thing to me that separates him from some of these other guys is that I really think he can be an MVP candidate at any age in any system because of that amazing arm. Um, He's got a cannon. Of, yeah, yeah. Anything else? You know, I, love, uh, I love that Brock brings up DVOA all the time. Hands. I love that he brings up stats all the time. But every time I hear Brock talking about DVOA, I'm reminded of Michael Scott impersonating the nerd. When he's talking to Jim. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> That's all Wait, I which, think about. <laughs> which one are you talking about? I can't think of that. Oh, it's... Uh, he's, he's... I forgot what Jim's telling him, but he's saying something stupid and, or something... About numbers and Michael Scott does the whole nerd voice. He's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> Butter, <laughs> the DVO's never been higher. <laughs> well, okay. I think I can guess. I think I can guess Brock's number two. Brock, tell oh, me I want to hear, hear your number two, Mike. Ooh, I don't think you want to. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson and my number two. That was yeah. also my number two. I actually disagree. <sighs> Hello, I number two. I am number one. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I nice to meet don't. you, number two. <laughs> <laughs> Brock or uh, Shaka? Yeah, I, I actually don't have Lamar Jackson number two. I know after I raved about him last week, it might be surprising, but my number Terrible. two is actually... Deshaun I don't want to hear the Watson. rest of your list. Uh, please yeah. explain. So, yeah, so I had Lamar Jackson three, and y'all can definitely get to why y'all had him number two. But the reason I had Deshaun Watson over him is pretty simple. Um, we, we talked about last week how they built a system around Lamar Jackson, how it's going flawlessly. But we're starting a team from scratch here. I don't know that I'm going to have that support from Lamar Jackson all the time. I don't know if I'm going to have the full pieces around him. 
and kind of like Mahomes, but not quite as much arm talent. I think Watson can succeed in any system. He could be running Lamar Jackson's system right now. He has the wheels to do 80% of that running, but he can also do a traditional pocket system. He can do stuff in between. Houston has thrived without an offensive line um, or a great run game his entire time there, and he's still been an MVP candidate year in, year out. He's led them to wins. To the offensive line point, this year he has the 25th best offensive line. Um, you compare that to, you know, Baltimore, who's about an average passing offensive line, the fourth best run blocking, and the whole thing's moving quick. Deshaun Watson has nothing around him. The run game's bad. No one's blocking. He has one receiver that if you double team and take it out, the other guys haven't proven they can stay healthy and beat him. I really just think that I feel good having Deshaun Watson, no matter who my coach is, no matter who my other players are, I know I'm going to be in contention. Lamar Jackson, I think, is a really big upside play, but I do worry that if I get a Jeff Fisher, Vince Young type situation, my franchise could be set back for a few years, or maybe, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't mature how we want him to, and he never quite becomes um, able to fully dominate within the pocket. I think um, I kind of I agree think? with that. To, yeah, I I think two and three for me are kind of interchangeable. That Lamar Jackson was my number two, but then Deshaun Watson was my number three. I would say arm strength wise, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are very comparable. Um, they do both have very similar play styles, and I think one thing that benefits Deshaun um, from him having a crap O line is his ability to escape the pocket and then throw on the run. That's got to be one of the biggest things, and and one of the things that the offense, you know, kind of is tailored to his strengths, um, you know, moving the pocket and things like that. Um, you know, would he's he have not, been? I gotta ask, would he have been number two on his list if he was named Deshaun? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Bad name change. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, what, what what's your number four, Keith? Because I or I think we kind of all agreed on two and three, unless you yeah, had a different top, three. I have. Those in my three. Um, I had Lamar Jackson two, Deshaun Watson three. My number four, and I think this is where it's going to get different between us. Um, I have Josh Allen at number four. Ooh, Ooh. definitely different. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you saw it last week. Um, he beats the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> in America's Dallas. Team. America's team, guys. America. And I'm moving about uh, to my number one. Hold on, I got to make some changes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grab your racers. Um, and he's got the biggest hands coming out of his class. I mean, wow. hand size huge. Oh, um, everything. He's got Kawhi Leonard, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, yeah, probably bigger. Um, well, but he can he can throw the ball a mile. Um, I mean, he was he was just throwing everything. Right on, right on target uh, against the Cowboys, and he's got, he's got legs. So I mean, um, basically the top four that we have or that I have so far, they all have legs and got accurate arms. So um, I just see him progressing and and uh, being tough on defenses. Uh, here's my problem with Josh Allen. I think it's tough to say because he just shredded Dallas. Maybe had the best game as a pro, but I just haven't seen consistency out of him with his arm. He's been kind of reliant on his legs yeah. against a lot of these teams. He's 26th in the NFL QBR this year. Last year, he was top three in, in interceptions as a rookie. And I, there's definitely potential there. He has the tools. But because I never saw it in college at Wyoming, small school, still couldn't put up numbers. I've still never seen it for a full season so far with Buffalo. He's been relying on defense in a good running game. I just couldn't squeeze him into my top five. But I do have to say as a Dallas fan that I'm starting to waver on that a little bit because he shredded us. I want to hear Chris Collinsworth call a game. 
with, with him. <laughs> <laughs> hearing Chris Collinsworth always cracks me up when he's talking about players. Just here's a guy. Now here's a guy. He's he's really fast, small school, and he just look at him run. Let's go to. to I guess I'll go ahead and throw out my number four. Um, let you guys crap all over mine. I have yes. Kyler Murray. Um, that I agree. That's my number four. Ooh, all, all right, right. Keith, you suck. My that was number, my number five. What happened? <laughs> okay, okay. So we all have him. All right. Um, my my number five is a little bit of a surprise, but I'll let you guys go first. But uh, Kyler Murray, that uh, I think Kyler Murray, while he's not on the level of Lamar Jackson, he does oh, have <laughs> he does have a similar play style ish. Uh, he's got the legs. Um, they have kind of tailored the offense around him a little bit. I think he just needs a little bit more to grow. Uh, they don't really have a true number one receiver. I mean, they have um, you know the old man over there. <laughs> it's Patrick, but, but um, I just don't. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think they've built enough around him yet to make him shine. I think eventually they'll get there, and I think he does have yeah. a lot of upside. Um, just watching the way the the games they've played and the run game has kind of helped him out, um, but I think he does have a lot of upside and could potentially be a Lamar Jackson esque player um, as long as they keep surrounding him with talent and building around him. Yeah, and just to add to your point, Mike, he's already ninth in the NFL in QBR this year. QBR does love running quarterbacks, uh, which is why Lamar Jackson's high too. But hey, running running still counts, and he has the wheels. Um, to right now, he's mostly scrambling out of the pocket. But if Cliff Kingsbury, super smart coach, running an air raid there, does decide, hey, we want to start copying a little bit of what Baltimore does, and Kyler Murray puts the kind of work that Lamar Jackson put in between his rookie year and his second year. I think he has all the tools to be a future All-Pro MVP candidate one day. He showed at Oklahoma, won the Heisman Trophy, has the all-time pass efficiency record in FBS because much like, again, Lamar Jackson, his legs set up so many wide-open passes. And I really just felt like after the top three obvious, out of the people who aren't competing at an MVP level yet in their career, he's the guy who has the tools that would scare me the most. So um, I agree there. Uh, we, we heard your fifth one, Keith. Do you want to Say your fifth one, Mike, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll jump right into it because I really want to see what you guys think about this one. Okay, okay. All right, I'm going to go with Mustache Mania over here, Mm. Gardner Minshew. And it has nothing to do with his skill set, honestly. It has to do with the the energy he brings to the team and to to the fans. I think when you have that type of energy in a player, you just have to surround them with talent and elevate their place on Taylor, your offense around them. We saw what Nick Foles did. He came in, he he sucked, and they benched him for Mustache Minshew, and the fan base went wild. And their mustaches are selling out now in Jacksonville. I don't know if you guys have heard yet, but fake mustaches are unattainable in Jacksonville. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, just when when I think you can't get any dumber, you go and make a a pick like that, and Totally you redeem yourself. I have yes. mustache management as well. Um, the guy was a sixth-round pick. He has a poise that other rookies don't have, which you never see out of these late-round draft picks. He's still um, been 15th in QBR this year in an offense that has very little weapons, young team. Uh, I totally agree with everything you said. It, and the most important thing you're leaving off there is he just got named the starter over um, the 
God himself, the best quarterback in Eagles franchise history, <laughs> and mm-hmm. makes Carson Wentz shake at bed at night and made Doug Peterson seem competent. You know his name more by now. Nick Foles, he just, uh, he just got played over him. And realistically, if you compare the big contract Nick Foles just got and the numbers he put up to whenever Minshew was in there, Minshew as a rookie was better. He's, he's got the brain of a vet and a solid arm. So I just think that... And he looks like an 80s porn star. Yes, yes. But you can't beat that. In today's NFL, that's definitely... Star. You've got Lamar Jackson with the sunglasses and Gardner Minshew bringing back the 80s porn star. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, who is your toughest omission, Keith? Because um, there's obviously a lot of talented guys. Some people might disagree with us having Minshew or Allen that high. Do you have anyone else you were looking at that was I I had Minshew, um, but he wasn't sniffing at my top five. Like, I wasn't going to take out Kyler Murray, and <laughs> I, I believe in Josh Allen. So I, I would say that he was my number six. And um, there wasn't really many others that, that caught my eye. Um, Boy, people I mean, maybe if this was like, a couple guys weeks ago, stupid. I would have said uh, um, the other Allen. Is it Kyle Allen from Carolina? Yep. I would have had him, but... Um, yeah, I I don't see any others. I would I would think uh, over Minshew. Anyone? How about you, you guys? Like? No, actually, I, <clears throat> aside from those five, there aren't really many that I would want to build an offensive franchise around. I just uh, they're just nobody that really stands out to me. I mean, Allen I think is close. Um, if I had him and Minshew, would be interchangeable, I'd think. Um, but aside from that, there aren't really that many that um, yeah, I, I'd want to build a franchise around. Yeah. The one guy I just wanted to mention, because I think um, this would have been shocking to have his name off the list before the season started, is Baker Mayfield. He won the year last man, I w- year. I and, uh, uh, completely forgot about him. Yeah. When you go out and get OBJ and bring him to your <laughs> offense, a guy that Eli Manning can <laughs> – can hit on the regular and you can't hit him. I just I lose all faith in you. I can't. Yeah. I just don't. I'm not buying anything he's selling anymore. Yeah. Well, it's not just OBJ. That that's what really made me pitch you over him. Though what's tough for me is he has Landry, he has OBJ, he has Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. Their tight ends pretty athletic. Um, I do think the coaching took a big downturn from last year. They lost their offensive coordinator, Freddie Soup Kitchens took over, and is probably the worst coach in the NFL. But um. Yeah, I think he was a tough emotion for me. He still has some upside, but I just don't see him over any of those guys because he's a little bit skittish. He doesn't have the big arm. And have we seen his commercials? He's a terrible actor. That alone, <laughs> I'm done with him. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a mustache Minshew kind of presence. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. His, his oh, mustache man. is weak. He's trying to impersonate him. He, he was playing yeah. bad. He tried to steal the mustache. and He's, he's, more, of an, he's more of an Uncle Rico. Uh, he's more of an Uncle Rico. Un- unemployed. Divorced plumber. That's what I think. <laughs> um, just, just got laid off. <laughs> selling selling Tupperware. <laughs> Indestructible Poorly. Tupperware. Poorly. He only is seven lids and six pieces of Tupperware. We don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem we all have. Um, all right, guys. Well, then the, the last kind of football topic we had here, we'll talk about the AFC. We've, we've been talking a lot about the NFC East, so that's what we're especially – you know, watching every week, and that we talked about the NFC playoffs last week, but the AFC is really shaping up to to look great, both at a race to the playoffs. There's a few teams competing for that sixth and final wild card team. Um, it looks like the the Bills are going to be the five seed. They're nine and three record, and the four division winners look pretty steady with 
New England in the East, Baltimore. Um, we still have Houston, who just beat New England. And the last team is Kansas City, led by Mahomes. is always scary. So let's start, before we start talking about the playoffs, and to say for this sixth playoff spot, uh, there's really a few contenders here. we got the Titans. The Steelers are both 7-5. and five. The Raiders, who play the Titans this week, have an opportunity to redeem themselves. And Indianapolis is still in it. Um, I'll let one of you guys, whoever ranks, kind of take the lead here. Who do you think is going to take that sixth playoff spot uh, by the Horns, and, and why do you see that happening? Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the lead on this. So I see the Tennessee Titans taking that sixth seed. Um, they have been hot ever since they beat Kansas City. Um, Pittsburgh, I mean, their, their offense has kind of just shrunk down and I mean, their defense is still great, but I mean, when you, when your offense offense isn't producing, that doesn't help out your defense. And, um, the Titans, they actually still have a chance to win the division. I mean, they, they still have to play Houston twice. So if they can win both those games, they can take the, the division and, and have a home, uh, field advantage game. But, um, yeah, I have the Titans there. Um, Oakland, I'm counting out. Um, the Colts are still a pretty good team. Um, but Jacoby I mean, Brissett's going to keep them out of it, I think. They have to play at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. They got the Panthers at home and then at Jacksonville. So, I mean, their their schedule is kind of tough. Um, and they're already uh, game back, so... Um, it should be an interesting race. That six seed is going to be tight, but I see the Titans coming out with it. I actually, for the most part, agree. Uh, but to kind of piggyback on the Colts thing, I just I don't think Jacoby Brissett's is uh, a, a good quarterback for what the offense are trying to run. And I just I don't see them getting it into the six seed. I think so. The Titans right now that I think teams are afraid to play them. The Titans are hot, and I think. Tannehill came in and completely revamped the offense. I was, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by Tannehill. I was not expecting him to come to the Titans as the backup and then elevate the team to where where that they've wanted to be. Quite frankly, the last what four years since they've had Mariota, yeah. I did not look like the team with an identity behind Derrick Henry that they've been searching for the last four years. Absolutely, I watch them, and I think the Titans. I think the Titans, if they beat the Texans, I think the playoff picture we'll see is the Ravens, Patriots, Titans, and Chiefs, and then the Texans might be that six-spot wild card, which would be an interesting shakeup. I I remember I remember a time you know, back when I was a, a youngin when the Patriots were the only team in the AFC and really were the only team in the playoff spot that anybody was like, nah, they're going to win. Um, but this season, completely different story. Finally, <laughs> thank God. I'm so happy that. We'll probably never have to deal with the Patriots again after this season. I mean, Tom Brady, <laughs> like Tom Brady. Whoa. I mean, I'm not saying he's washed. I don't. I'm not ready to take that leap yet. But I do think that he is a victim of the Belichick plug and play. I, he's he's. They're finally showing their weakness, which is not keeping talent at the wide receiver position. I think they, you know, so bringing AB, that was a huge thing for their offense, and then not getting anybody to replace them. I mean, you can't replicate AB, obviously, but um, they're 10-2, and two, but it doesn't feel like a good 10-2, and two, at least not to me. It's a very it just, ugly 10-2. and two. Yeah, and it's the offense just doesn't seem to have much of an identity in general. You know, I, watching what they did, um, you know, against the Texans, you know, I, I don't know if you guys see Dan Orlovsky 
um, his breakdowns of the games and of the the plays. But he's if you guys don't see, don't follow him. Go on Twitter and follow him. He's he's does amazing breakdowns. Um, uh-huh. But one of the things that I noticed and that he brought up was uh, Brady making adjustments to the play calls. Um, one of them that really stood out to me was that he called for a go route and he did the hand signal. Uh, the receiver didn't run the route he was supposed to. And Tom Brady threw it up, threw it up. And people, you know, if you don't watch football religiously like we do or talk football or even understand, you know, routes in football, you would have thought, wow, Tom Brady looks like crap. He just threw to nobody uh, in the middle of the field. Um, you know, and the ball just landed on the sideline pretty much. But the receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he didn't run the route he was supposed to. And if you watch the game, where part of where Dan breaks it down is um, uh, Brady goes to the sideline. He's talking to offensive coordinator, and he's like, he mouths the words. And he, uh, I'm fairly decent at lip reading, I would think, but it looks like he says, "I just can't anymore. I'm done." And when your quarterback <laughs> is saying that, like, I, uh, you know, your quarterback is saying that about his receivers, there's that's a bad sign. And I don't see the Patriots running away with the playoffs this year like they have every other year. Well, defense is name of the game for the Patriots this year. And it's weird how much it flipped from the Falcons Super Bowl, where they made a huge comeback, the Eagles Super Bowl, where they lose, but he puts up 500 yards, to how two years later they're a complete defensive team. They have a historically good secondary. They have the first defense in DVOA. But even maybe more important than that is, historically, if you look at where the DVOA ranks, it's the fifth best ever. Um, coming into last week, so maybe it dropped a little bit with Houston, but through the first 11 games of the season, they have the fifth best defensive DVO rating ever. That's going back like 30 years. So it's a team that's winning differently. It's a little bit less flashy, um, but they're still going to be there in contention. I just want to go back real quick, though, to the last playoff spot, because though I agree that the, the Titans are probably the best team that's competing for that slot, they have literally the worst strength of schedule, meaning the hardest down the stretch. Y'all are, y'all are pointing out the good the good things about it. You know, they play the Texans twice. They still have a chance to win the division. Um, the bad part about that is they play the freaking Texans twice, and they're just still just trying to get a wild card. The Texans just beat the Patriots. That's not going to be easy. They play the Saints as one of their other games, maybe the best team in the NFC. And then this week, they play the Raiders, which might be a loser leaves town match. Whoever loses that game might just be eliminated on the spot because a loss there for the Titans means they probably have to beat the Texans home and away, and maybe the Saints too. So I actually think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to get that last spot. The Steelers are tied with them at 7-5. and five. They have a much more manageable 13th-ranked strength of schedule. They get a game against the Jets and the Cards, which are two games they can win. And 9-7 and seven might take the entire um, wildcard spot. They also have the Bills, who I know just looked good this week, but aren't that great. The main thing for Pittsburgh is they're, they're New England, but way worse. They're the fourth-best defense. The Fitzpatrick trade totally paid off. Mike Tomlin, who everyone wanted out of town, um, is looking amazing. He just knows how to get his guys ready to play. The defense is there. And now that I think they got Mason Airhead Rudolph out of the lineup, who um, anyone that can get hit in the head and it literally not phase them and their brain doesn't get any worse because they just got flunked <laughs> by Miles Garrett to play the exact same, probably shouldn't be your quarterback. They got a guy named Duck in there now. I like everyone named Duck. I've never seen a person named Duck who I didn't enjoy. I just think that they're going to sneak into that spot. It might even be 9-7, and seven, um, and they're going to be blessed with the opportunity to get blown out by the Chiefs week one of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that game would be as fun as the Titans and the Chiefs, <laughs> or the Texans and the Chiefs. I definitely agree, but um, 
at least there's a duck. I think you're underrating ducks. Yeah. Well. Uh, so, so uh, you know, you're talking about how New England, you know, maybe isn't going to make the Super Bowl for the millionth time in a row and go for Super Bowl number seven. Uh, Keith, I'll throw it back to you here. Do you think that this is finally the time that New England gives up the reins and is done? Or do you see them holding on to their title and, you know, be in the Super Bowl again? I don't see them uh, because they they just don't have the the receiver firepower that they've had before. I mean, they don't have Gronk. Um, they had Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon at one point this year. Both are gone. Um, Sanu isn't 100%. He's got a hurt ankle. I mean, when you're only relying on Edelman and then um, Nikhil Harry is a rookie, you got Jacoby Myers, who's pretty good. But, um, I mean, I know it's the same story at least for the past few years that new England looks counted out. And then all of a sudden they start turning it up. Um, you would, you would have thought that that would have been last week versus Houston who new England has been just putting a whooping on for the, for the past however many years. But um, I, I don't see new England. Um, I think they win their first game, but I, I think they're going to, they're going to lose the, the conference championship. Mike, I think you agree, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't see I don't see the Patriots going very far this season. I kind of <laughs> hope they don't. I I'm so tired of the Patriots and a lot of people. Uh, there's there's been so many bandwagon fans every year for the Patriots and just people that support the Patriots and and then you ask them general questions about the offense coordinators, players, and oh, well, we have Tom Brady. That's all we need. That's usually the answer I get. And it's just yeah, I'm so tired of it. I'm ready for another team to take the reins. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, multiple teams take the reins, and the AFC is finally competitive, and the Patriots are forgotten. Well, do, do y'all agree that it's kind of a big four this year? I mean, in the past, it's been New England and maybe one team in the playoffs that cannot come out. Last year, maybe Kansas City. You know, in years past, it used to be maybe the Steelers. I really think that, you know, the one-two seeds looking like it's going to be Baltimore and New England, but then Houston just showed they can beat New England. They have Watson. And Mahomes is sitting there. I feel like people just stopped talking about the Chiefs this year. They were sexy last year. They had the MVP. They were young. Meanwhile, you know, they're coming up. They're 8-4. and four. They're starting to get their flow back, get a little healthy. Um, I really actually think that whoever plays the Chiefs in the second round, people are going to kind of be counting on. We're going to have the Ravens versus the Patriots in the AFC title game. I think that the Chiefs can beat them. So, you know, the Houston has Watson. I think ultimately they'll lose in the second round of the playoffs. But the way it's shaping up right now, if the Ravens get the one seed and would theoretically have home field against the Patriots in the AFC title game, it would most likely be them playing the Chiefs in the 1-4 game. And I don't know, something is just telling me that Lamar Jackson having to score that many points, maybe they can't run the ball like they want. Maybe they fall down 14-0 to Mahomes and that high-powered offense get taken out of their game plan. It could be a little shaky, um, but I'm really excited for the playoffs. I just think that there's four teams that can win instead of just one or two. Yeah, I think the AFC is going to be fun to watch this season. The playoffs, it, every it feels like every season beforehand, it's just been kind of meh. Aside from watching the Chiefs, um, yeah, it's just every year it's always been the same story. Just, uh, the play, the the Patriots have an easy ride to the Super Bowl, and this year it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case at all, and probably for years to come. It's just going to be nice. I'm really excited to see the AFC kind of change its identity and have different powerhouses just you know throwing haymakers all the way through i do think we're probably gonna see if i had to pick a team right now everybody wants the ravens to go to the super bowl they're flashy they're fun they're exciting but i really think the super bowl 
is going to be the Chiefs. I think Andy Reid's going to get a Super Bowl this year. I I would love that because I love watching the Chiefs, but I mean, I just don't see it with their defense, um, especially yeah. with them having to play an away game. Um, yeah, but I think I mean, Mahomes can win those those shootouts. If there's anybody that can, it's going to be Kansas City that could that yeah. play those shootouts and win. Yeah, I agree. I just, I mean, Baltimore being a a run strong team versus Kansas City who uh, can't stop the run. I mean, it it will definitely be interesting. But it, I mean, just right now, the way that things have gone, I see Baltimore taking that match if if that's who are the two playing each other. I just have this voice in the back of my head that, man, I want to pick Baltimore, I want to pick Kansas City, and then I picture myself sitting down on the couch, getting ready to watch the AFC Championship game. It's freaking snowing, and Belichick's had a week to come up, and it's just Belichick doing Belichick things. They're running the good defense. You know, maybe there's an early turnover, and Tom Brady has the ball with a tie game, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. I just cannot make myself pick against the Patriots. So if I had to pick right now, Subject to change before the playoffs start. I'm sticking with Tom Brady. I'm sticking with Belichick. And I'm taking New England to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. I'm not not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm going going to stick to my guns. Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. All right, I got Baltimore 50 bucks. (laughs) Oh. You heard it here first, everybody. Keith's going to owe me 50 bucks later. Um, Straight up. Well, I've got a hot take for everybody here. I've actually got two hot takes. The right. hottest Ooh. take. We the should hottest say this take is the, ever. End, the end of the football part of this. Portion, That's right. So. Football's over. If, you don't get, if, you, if you're done with football, you, it's okay. Stay and listen to this hot take because I think you're going to like it. I've got two of them, and I think one of them is going to make Brock's head explode. But <laughs> <laughs> my first take. All right. Non-football related. I think Christmas should go up the day after Halloween. Hate me if you want to, but Thanksgiving is just a food holiday. Christmas is all about decorations, and they should go up the day after Halloween. Is that your entire argument? Did you just have a one-sentence hottest take? Because yeah. You're I'm absolutely right I did because it's the right take. Unimpressed. Okay. I'll let Keith get after you in a second, but I've been stirring <laughs> on this one since you first mentioned this casually in conversation <laughs> as if it didn't make you the Antichrist. <laughs> You were basically not only saying that Christmas and Thanksgiving, which is legitimate take, but that it's so much better. It should take over the entire month ahead of it going into it. Yeah, I didn't say it's so much better. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. But Thanksgiving is the food it. holiday. You know, how many people put up turkeys in the, uh, outside their house during Thanksgiving? I don't, I, every, every day I drive through my neighborhood to go to work, and I never see a turkey or anything Thanksgiving related on somebody's front yard. Never. Oh my! When you say Thanksgiving, what goes in your mind? Nothing but happiness. There's an entire meal, turkey and dressing. You don't eat any other time of the year. It's freaking delicious. There's leftover what, sandwiches. What, it's what embodies happiness but more than Christmas decorations? That what? Food. Give me one example. Yeah, I'm, you know I'm what? gonna paint a. I'll paint a picture <laughs> for you, Mike. It's it's Thanksgiving morning. You wake up. You slept in. It's beautiful. The smell of turkey is going through your nose. There's already a game on because football starts an hour earlier. It's the Lions getting pummeled. You feel better about your life because you can always count on the Lions sucking, losing on Thanksgiving. You're already doing great. Then you get turkey, maybe some ham stuff in mac and cheese. There's two kinds of pies that just go with Thanksgiving. You can even yeah. throw in cheesecake, whatever you want. It's and when I look up. over to my living room and my one-year-old daughter is playing with the ornaments on the tree, life couldn't mm. be better. Wow. Wow. 
Okay, all I'm saying is Thanksgiving's got food, football, family, friends, all the Fs you could ever want. And it is a total disrespect to me and everything I believe in, which is mainly food, family, football, <laughs> friends. But they go, to, they go great even... together. They go great together. You can't Every Thanksgiving I've ever had, the Christmas tree's up. That yeah, people no, have no, the no. inside of the house decorated already. The outside is generally decorated. There's a lot of people that decorate before Thanksgiving. Santa me being one of them. Famously racist towards Native Americans. Famously. <laughs> but I assume it's correct because he's always trying to steal the holiday. Um, and I won't stand for it. Keith, I think you're going to have to settle the tie here. What do you think about the decorations? Uh, you don't want my input because I bought a Christmas tree with my old roommate and we left that thing up all year round because yes! it's easy to put it away. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my so, god. <laughs> we we went up Mike, but we were also, you know, just too lazy to put it down and and also, I mean, it filled a corner. Um we had no other decorations to put there. It would have just been an empty corner. Hey, people um, decorate their Christmas tree for every holiday of the year. I've seen and, it. It's all over Pinterest. And sometimes it was a good night light. Like we turn on the, we turn off our regular lights and turn on the Christmas tree, and and you can watch a movie with that on. I mean, it's it's not bad. But but Christmas isn't reliable. You'll have good Christmases, bad Christmases. There's not even a food dedicated to it. False. I mean, okay, you wake up on Christmas, you never know what you're gonna get. You kind of, it's just like if you throw a deep ball to Aguilar, it could go any which way. There's absolutely well, no faith there. Uh, I've lost trust in the Dunn family because. I know every every year what to expect on Christmas, and you've just you've, you've, done, it's it's clearly yeah yeah. If you didn't get that, but I'm I'm done with the Dunn family. I'm saying and nationally, there's no putting the Dunn chain on the Duns. Everyone knows yeah, that absolutely. Mike's just racist against cheese, and so is me. Ah, oh, that leads me to my next take. That leads me to my next take. <laughs> oh, here we go. Cheese does not belong on eggs. You can stop listening right now because that's the end of the show. Oh my! Oh my God! God. No way! So <laughs> thank you. Cheese, go Keith. Cheese goes on eggs. It goes on eggs. Absolutely not. Okay. You know so... how many times I've I've uh, you know my in laws I love them to death, but you know how many times they they've gone to get breakfast tacos and they're like, hey, what kind of tacos do you want? I'm like, oh, just bacon and egg. And then they bring a bacon, egg, and cheese taco. You can't put salsa on that. It's salsa they and love cheese you. tastes weird. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're going to the wrong taco spot. No, or they are. I have never liked cheese on bacon and eggs. You know where cheese is great with beans, enchiladas, crispy tacos. It doesn't go with eggs. Mike, just you have you're saying this again without the disclosure that you're lactose intolerant. You're literally intolerant of an entire food category, <laughs> and you didn't even mention it. It's absolutely that's irrelevant. That's relevant. Racism has to die. There is an entire food that has a new name that has an industry built around it. It's called an omelet. They didn't make omelets because cheese on eggs was pretty good. They made it because it's effing amazing. And if you don't put it on your tacos, you're just missing out. Everyone knows you spend too much time on the toilet. That's why you don't like it, but it tastes great. <laughs> I think this is an argument. False. No. Uh, omelets were made because a chef was like, um, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to put cheese on these eggs. And people are like, wow, this is so creative. It didn't even taste good. They just thought it was cool because it looked cool. Of course, Dude. it looks appealing. It looks appealing. You've got, you've got cheese oozing out of the omelet. I'll give you that. It's just, it doesn't taste great to me. There's nothing wrong with bacon and eggs. It's like having Car Carson Wentz as your quarterback. You'll take it. It's delicious. 
But when you add the cheese, you get that Nick Foles in the playoffs that you need to take you over oh, the geez. top. I would have accepted your answer if you would have said a number one wide receiver, but <laughs> I have to agree with Brock on this one. I hate both of you. Well, <laughs> the feeling is mutual. Ah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Um, in case you guys were wondering what our Twitter handles were, if you're still following, I'm at that Gomez guy. Keith is at Frankel Takes, and Brock is at Brock Ocho Goat. Ocho spelled out like the number. Um, and follow but, our House Divided NFL Twitter account right. also at a House Divided NFL. Be uh, putting a lot of info on there.